welcome everybody to this week's Dev Central Connects. My name is Boo, one of your community evangelists here at Dev Central, and I am your host today. Dev Central is in support of community.f5.com. Would ask that you go check out that site. That is where all of the F5 Dev Central evangelists uh, go to hang out. And there's also our technical forums on there and just lots of ways to interact with a great technical community where we kind of dig into stuff um, to do with F5 and not necessarily to do with F5 as well. We've been talking about home labs and stuff lately. I think we got a little topic later on and we'll talk about digging up some old gear. So that should be fun to chat about. And so I would invite you to head over to community.f5.com to check that out. We are broadcasting right now live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So hit follow or subscribe if you haven't done so already. And we are going to be on podcast um, as soon as we wrap up recording uh, this as well. So you can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify on podcast format. Now, today we have on John Meyer. He is going to hop on in just a second here, and he is an expert when it comes to cost savings in an AWS environment. And, you know, I think we've all been in situations before. I know I have in playing around with uh, AWS or whatever your cloud environment might be. And then you may have set up some um, uh, VMs or, or some services on there and maybe forget to turn them off. Or maybe you've added a whole bunch of features that you don't necessarily use. And then all of a sudden you get this bill uh, presented in front of you. And, uh, you know, I haven't had a huge one, but I know of people who have had uh, pretty good sized ones before. And they've, uh, you know, they've whatever the situation was, they've had their hand slapped or, or whatever to try to um, overcome that. But you hear of some of the nightmares as well. Maybe John can uh, think of a nightmare that he's come across with uh, customers that have encountered uh, big bills on AWS. So that should be fun to talk about. But before we do that, I'm going to bring on Jason Ron because he's got some exciting stuff to share with us uh, today. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing all right. You're uh, hanging out in the treehouse today? I am, yeah. I'm hanging out with Clark Kent in Smallville. Nice. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, it's it's his little pad to get away from the stress of, of you know, being a superhero and all that. Nice. So, yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, on Thursday, it's been a, been a couple of weeks since we've done a, uh, a live coding show. And I updated a, a package I put together back in the fall. I think at the fall, mm -hmm. maybe it was the summer on taking uh, wire or taking TCP dump captures automatically from the big IP and pulling them back. And so a couple of weeks ago, a uh, month ago, maybe I automated the decryption of that. And I got some feedback on that, that, well, that's good, but it doesn't really handle TLS 1.3. And also there's a switch in the TCP dump that will just bury all the keys in the packet capture for you. So you don't even really need to uh, attach the I rules. Uh, like the solution does. So we're going to take a look at how we might modify that uh, going forward and handle TLS 1.3 as well. And so that is going to be Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific. So if that is of any interest to you, or even if it's not, come join me, hang out. We'll have fun. Awesome. Yeah, that should be great. Um, and also, everybody, make sure you're subscribed and have your notifications turned on in the YouTube channel. Head over to community.f5.com and check out uh, the thread in, in DCC forum for uh, more info for that. So uh, thanks for jumping on, Jason, to let us know about that. Might see if you're available at towards the end of the show. We might be talking about old computers that you can use day to day. So maybe you can uh, let us know what uh, your weapon of choice would be for that. I'll be here. And uh, if if uh, if it doesn't work out to bring me on, I'll, I'll, I'll be in the chat because, yeah, I've got an old dinosaur I can talk about. 
Awesome. Sounds good. All right. I will uh, see you in a little bit. Thanks, Jason. All right. Take care. All right. Uh, that should be good. So hang tight if you want to hear about whatever uh, Jason's going to be using for, um, I'll mention it a little bit later on, but digging up old computers and using that day to day. Um, so let me bring on my guest here. We've got John Meyer. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Is this thing working? Is it on? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Not muted right now. <laughs> uh, just checking. Boo. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't complain. I mean, obviously the weather's a little cold, but we're still alive and ticking. Fantastic. Uh, your Eagles are doing well. Oh man, we gonna get. We don't have enough time to talk about this topic, man. My Eagles are doing awesome. They're in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. I can't wait. This is this is definitely one of the things. I've been down to all the games. Uh, are we on the right show? Because we can continue on this one. Yeah, that we might park this one. I was mentioning before, we might park this conversation for Aubrey to have with you and you guys can have a whole Eagles love fest. That would be awesome. I would definitely, uh, I think we can hash out a couple of things and talk about their season, all the goods, the bads and the things that went on. But I'll tell you what, him and I will take that offline. We'll continue that conversation. Fantastic. Alrighty. So John, I brought you on today. Maybe uh, you can give us a, a bit of an intro um, when I flip it over to you, but you're a bit of an expert when it comes to AWS cost optimization, cost cutting. Um, you've probably seen some uh, horrible uh, situations in the past um, before. So maybe I'll let you introduce yourself and, and uh, you know, how, how you've come to maybe learn about all of this uh, cost optimization stuff. Yeah, Boo. Uh, so real quick, everybody, as uh, Boo mentioned, my name's John Meyer. I'm the chief content creator at Meyer Media. We actually create compelling content that humanizes the person behind the brand. We're helping elevate that brand through social awareness from highly engaging customer case studies, stories, interactive interviews, hands-on workshops. And we focus on a lot of the key areas. Uh, one we're going to be talking about today, AWS, cloud FinOps, cost optimization, and we're experienced storytellers in technology. And what that really means is people trust people and people buy from people. Now, Boo, you mentioned some of the stories around Bill Shock. I think the biggest one that comes to mind is one that I was involved with. I was a noob with AWS, so this is really revolved around the skills and understanding it. And I do this actually kind of a storytelling when I do an open speaking session for any cost optimization or cloud optimization stuff. And uh, I'll try to shorten it because I know we don't have much time, but in actuality, we had a customer who needed to migrate their colocation data center over to AWS. They had one year Verizon's getting out of that data center business because there's no money in data center business, right? So we had to migrate over 300 brands and 5,000 websites in one year alone. They're very new to cloud. I've had about less than six months experience at this time. This is back in like 2014, 2015, when cloud was still relatively new. They had a whole entire environment, Active Directory, everything, uh, SQL installed on instances. We ended up, what we ended up doing was we started building this stuff exactly like for like in the cloud. So hmm. in actuality, we built them a data center in US East One. So you can imagine what their bill was. It, after six months time, their bill was over 450,000 a month. <laughs> no lie. They could have built their own data center in a couple months. Wow. Wow. 
That's incredible. And how many months of $450,000 bills did they endure? Uh, the project did last, you know, it, it did last a year. We were still doing some things after a year. When I had left, I think their bill was somewhere around $4 million a month. Wow. No lie. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And how it comes into play and talking about that bill shock, this is something one was never planned for coming into it and understanding the entire cost, not using cloud for what it was meant to be, elastic, utilizing the managed services and the environment. Mm. And the biggest thing that we're going to talk about today is, you know, really planning for your cost and your awareness and alerting and budgeting for a lot of this we didn't mm. see the bill coming. And this is one of the things where after a year, it was time to start reevaluating cloud and what it really meant to the company and how we could use it for what it was meant to be. Yeah, you have a couple of good points in there. Using it for what it was meant to be. I think that's, a, you know, in my time um, out in the field dealing with customers, it kind of felt like folks were on the on a bandwagon i don't want to say bandwagon but they're kind of thinking okay well everybody's going to cloud so what is my cloud strategy do you have to have a cloud strategy like where where do you start john okay so realistic there are four types of companies for the cloud and i and, and these are my four types one the companies that are never going to cloud they say we're never going we can't go we don't know there's no reason for us and there are some out there right uh those that are thinking about moving to the cloud this is where you're starting to think, okay, where's my cloud strategy as well? Those that are starting to migrate to the cloud and are using it half in a hybrid type environment, and those who are born in the cloud, the startups, those who are starting to utilize it. The reason that you should have a cloud strategy, regardless of what type of company you are, is because you can never say never. You might eventually go to it. So what does that look for like for you now? And it's a, it's a living, breathing document. You come into it understanding that this is going to change. Your company's posture will change in a month, two months, three months, whatever it will be. You should have a strategy. Your first strategy, um, we're not going. We have no value. Okay, no problem. Second one, evaluate it. Uh, and I put together my top three things that I, you should do immediately when you're going or setting up cloud. But even if you're already there, these are things that you can implement. We can talk about those in a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe from there you've identified and you've documented what kind of cloud company, like where, where, are, you, where are you heading to from there? So if I'm heading to, and I, I finally outline what is my cloud strategy look like? How are we getting there? How's it going to be implemented? Uh, there are a lot of things that you need to put in place, in my opinion, before you even go to the cloud. If you're already there, we can backtrack. We can get all of those. But let's assume that you are you're first going in there. You've heard all these horror stories of a bill shock, right? Uh, you woke up one morning and you logged in and you you looked at your bill and all of a sudden you're thousands of dollars in debt to it. You had no alerting. You had nothing in place. You weren't checking it daily. Those are the things that you need to put in place going into the cloud and actually thinking about that move to the cloud. Just don't jump into it because everybody's doing it. Because just because everybody does it and gets there or they're way ahead of you, they might be months or years already into their cloud strategy. You have your own. What is the business driving factor for you to go to the cloud? And what services are you looking to utilize? Or what can you provide to your customers? How do you how do you make that evaluation, I guess? Is, it, uh, is, is there enough? out there to self-research or do you always need a consultant to come in and, and guide you through this? Uh, so I'm going to go with both. 
there is enough information. If you're a small company, right, you can't afford the consultant to come in and give you an evaluated. But if you're a small company, you also have the hands of people that dive deep and go in technically in debt into it. You can start to jump in there. If you're going to AWS, AWS has so many resources available immediately to you and for free. Mm. They have resources, not only in essays, PSAs that are available, PDMs, depends on where you are. Uh, go out there, join a community group, user group, start asking questions. That That is key for even if you can't afford it, there's so much things out there free. Now, if you are, you want to go to the consultant route, there are a number of actually third parties, partners of AWS that can help you and drive this. AWS actually offers these services as well. Now, a lot of them obviously are paid, but if you're investing in the cloud and you want to do it right, I suggest you take the time to investigate not only doing it yourself or through a consultant so you can get the most out of it. And so that you don't wake up one morning and look like, uh-oh, I wait, mm-hmm. what are we, uh, AWS, can you, can you help me? I spent too much. Do you have some scenarios where maybe two scenarios, like a scenario where it doesn't make sense at all to go to the cloud and scenarios where, okay, it is starting to make sense. There's some value here that we're going to get out of cloud. The ones moving to that don't move to the cloud, there might not be an obvious thing like a proprietary software that you don't want to run within AWS because the cost outweighs the benefit, right? Everything's local. Everything's done within house. There's no reason to leave the company, leave the surrounding things. And you only have a couple of servers, right? Is it worth for you to go to it? Uh, you're never, your data is always static. You're never going to utilize new services. At that point, that's a business-driven decision and an evaluation that are we going to move the cloud? What services can we utilize that we're not going to get in-house? Nothing changes. It's all static. And at this time, another example is a lot of companies have purchased all their equipment, right? And now mm-hmm. they have it for three to five years. That's their CapEx type approach. They have it. They, they got to get the most out of it. There are a couple of companies that will actually buy that back if you'd like to go to the cloud. Those are the ones that you're going to, you're not moving. You, you don't, there's no compelling. Those that should go to the cloud, I'm going to say almost 90, I'm going to say 97%. I was going to go 98, but mm-hmm. 97% of companies can go to the cloud, but you might not go in completely. Fully or hybrid is mm-hmm. acceptable. When I say hybrid, there are certain uh, you know, applications, certain stuff that needs to live on site due to latency requirements. AWS offers some uh, cool stuff like local zones or outposts that'll help with some of those latencies. You want to investigate all those. But in about most cases, you can utilize like AWS and their services that are out there to go to the cloud. An example of why you would go to the cloud is because the turnaround time to innovate is much faster than if you were to try to set all that stuff up in-house and try to get it going. What's a couple hours versus six months of just trying to get it set up and get going and your developers going, well, I could have deployed this in the cloud. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Developers uh, twiddling their thumbs is a really expensive resource. (laughs) That's a bill shock that most people don't take into account. It's not your AWS bill, but it's a bill shock. You're thinking they are an idle resource. They are your internal customers sitting there waiting for this stuff to get bought, set up, and procured just so that they can deploy out and utilize new functionality. Now you've actually lost a lot of revenue debt. Yeah. Meanwhile, your competitors, maybe they did go to the cloud and their developers were fully utilized and and six months ahead of you. Yep. So somebody has 
made the decision, I'm going to move some stuff in the cloud. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, you got some tips and tricks on, okay, now we're, yep. now we're, we're, we're out there. How do we contain this? All right. So boo, what I do is I like to work in threes, a uh, mentor of mine that's kind of actually done, and we can easily remember threes. There are a number of other ones, but these are my top threes and it, it works regardless if you're already there or thinking about going. So my top three, number one, as soon as you have your AWS account, set up your curve file. Literally go in there, configure it to ParkX format, get you in there so you can utilize AWS Cost Explorer. Why? One, you can analyze all of your cost and usage. You can monitor your reserve instances. Uh, I actually have mine set to granular hourly. Now I don't do actually that much, but I like to see it because I deal with a lot of cost optimization. I wanna see it down to the hour. So I'll pay for that little bit of extra. Yes, our granularity does cost a little more. Uh, you can view spend by service, accounts that are linked to it. And the other cool one that I just put out there, and we can talk in a little bit about cost anomaly detection, where it's actually AI in the background. So the AI is looking at some of the costs that you're doing within your uh, AWS account and all the services and saying, hey, I haven't seen you use this before. This might be something you should look at. So that's number one. Hmm. Number two. AWS organizations. Well, you're thinking, well, John, why? But one of the key things with AWS organizations is now you can center all of your other accounts underneath it. You have a main payer account for your reserve instances. Maybe savings plans could be spread out. You can limit account access. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, isn't that security? Well, guess what? If I don't allow you to deploy out a resource in specific regions, that is security, but I've also limited my cost expenditure for maybe I'm deploying out a resource in Singapore, but I don't have any customers in that area. Why do we need it? I don't need developers testing it. I don't need resources out there that I don't have visibility to. So why allow them to deploy that? Or the other thing with organizations is, you know, obviously you have your service control policies. You can limit the types of resources or instances or services that are deployed out. I don't want them deploying out that HPC instance because it's going to cost me or bare metal. You can limit those within organizations for your OUs, for service control policies, for you to do those things. Security built in, cost savings built in. Why not? Right? That's interesting. I didn't know you could uh, do that. So you can get, you got some guardrails to kind of yep. keep everybody uh, safe. Ooh. Guardrails, that's something we'll talk about in a second and with a control tower. So my number three thing is AWS budgets and alerts. Set them up. It's very simple. Go in there and configure one. I actually sent one uh, two weeks ago. I woke up one morning, I got an email that says, hey, listen, you hit your threshold. Here's your budget alert. Now, obviously, my alert was set for like 100 bucks and I wanted to go 75% of that. All of a sudden, I got an alert and I just realized the number one thing is I forgot to turn it off. It hit Friday. It hit the weekend. It took me all week to deploy mm -hmm. this. I'm just going to leave it run over the weekend. Well, guess what? I left it run and I forgot to turn it down. AWS has an instant scheduler. Turn things off on the weekend when you're not using them. But if you're not watching your stuff, budgets and alerts can save you a lot of money in the long run. Set them, configure mm -hmm. them. You can do it for individual accounts. You can do it for services. You can actually do a number of alerts. You can do it for your entire, like your organization. It allows you to have that visibility and to save you that phone call that you have to make to the CFO saying you just spent thousands of dollars because, you know, you forgot to turn it off. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You would think the CFO is the one that puts that top line one in place and says, hey, guys, you're not going to go over this. And then you guys control uh, everything uh, underneath that as far as services. Well, one of the biggest things is with cloud FinOps is that culture and behavior change where there's no separation anymore. You're all a team, right? So finance, mm-hmm. here's a, a, a story that I usually give around cost optimization and you know how it relates to cloud FinOps is you know you have your IT manager comes to you and says, hey, listen, John, website's running slow. Performance is bad. I need you to optimize the performance you know, so we can get better. We're losing customers. You know, they're leaving two items in their cart worth $10, right? Well, you look at it, you get a million people, you know, a month and that, that adds up after a while. Then all of a sudden, engineer goes, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add some instances, auto scaling. And now you just increased the bill by $20,000 a month, 240,000 a year. And the finance guy told you, what the heck are you doing? You're supposed to lower the cost. Yeah. In actuality, what happened is people stopped leaving things in their cart. And in a year's time, the dollars added up and now you made the company $12 million. Mm. $12 million? And I spent two hundred forty to make $12 million? I'll take that any day. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. We actually, that uh, brings us to a question here when you talk about cost uh, coming up. We got a question from uh, Jose. The price of operating in the cloud is high. Do you think that at some point the cost will be reduced? Yes. Next one. No. Okay. So Jose, let me break that down a little bit to you. AWS is always releasing new services, new instance types, right? The cost is high if you use it like a traditional data center. Use AWS managed services, things that are already built. The cost is cheaper for that and to be get done, right? So you're able to take advantage of what AWS is already doing and managing that infrastructure, managing those instances for that. All right. An example, Graviton 3 came out, right? And that's actually cheaper than GP2. Um, So if you go to like Graviton 2, think about it. You can now use a higher performance uh, CPU and instance type than you could do with the lower one. AWS wants you to go to those newer ones. They're not going to jack up the price. They make it cheaper, so you're off of those. Now you can take advantage of not only the performance, uh, you can take a, a better instance types that are out there, right? And it's all backed by AWS. Uh, storage types, always taking it. So cost is what you're going to use. Think about uh, another example I'll take for you, uh, Jose, is think about uh, SageMaker or AIML. Anything that you're utilizing in that space, imagine the cost of you setting up that within your data center and running that 24-7, 365. Now, take that cost and go to AWS and you only need to run that for four hours. I can have it shut down the rest of the time. So if you take a look at the balances of it, you don't need a constant thing running. Yes, the data center has been spread out over five years, but I only ran it for four hours and I got more benefit and more done and now I'm innovating faster. Yeah, great, uh, great insights there, John. Thanks for that. Um, we are running low on time here. I know we could go on for this for a while, so we might even actually split this into a part two because this has been a great, uh, great discussion here. Um, any, any final word on uh, what you've gone over today? And we can always park stuff for for part two. All right, I think I'm going to want to park a number of things for part two. Boo, if you're going to have me back, I'd love to. I, there's so much I can talk on this topic. So. 
I'm going to leave everybody with this and maybe, you know, we'll talk deeper into it in part two. There's so many governance and controls within your environment. AWS control tower is very key. It originally started as landing zone back in 2019, 2018. Uh, and then it kind of turned into control tower. I would look into take advantage of that and have that automation and the security within your organizations. Uh, you have other tools that you think AWS compute optimizer, instant scheduler, Optimizer allows you to, you know, EC2, ASG, Lambda, EC, ECS on Fargate, uh, right sizing. What about RIs, SPs, reserve instances, saving? I mean, we could go on about all of this, but one of the key things is we've talked, set your budgets and your alerts, your cur, uh, get all those things configured. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with, and it, this is very critical. So this is going to be, and, and, and come a little closer, but let me tell you, turn things off when you're not using them, right? If we don't need them, it's on the weekend. Do some automation, infrastructure as code, new one infrastructure from code, shut them down, and that's it. You just saved a bunch of money. You can't do that in a data center. You can turn off that VM, but that server's still running. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, John. Uh, This has been great. Definitely want to do a part two discussion. So we've got uh, all of this here we can can build on top of. So this is great. One thing I'll highlight here, we're going to have a couple minutes left to chat about some stuff. And we always have a little bit of news that we can chat about if you head over into community.f5.com. I've got a show thread that is started inside of there. We've got some news articles that we can chat about. And I'm actually going to bring on Jason uh, for this part here because I see Jason is still there. Jason, how are you doing? I'm well. Fantastic. Good discussion. That was a, that was very enjoyable. Yeah, I'm sure our bosses would love for us to adopt some of the cost saving um, <laughs> tips and tricks here, so we can revisit uh, some of that. Um, Tell them to reach the out art- to me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the the uh, article that I wanted to bring up here, and it's not a new article. It's an old article, and it's about old computers. And I don't know. I always love reminiscing about old stuff. Um, this is the old computer challenge. This was uh, written. This one here is written in July 2021, and I think this is uh, something that has been ongoing. But the concept is is digging up something old, refreshing it, and or you know whatever you need to do to bring it back up, and use it for a week so that you can appreciate how nice your new stuff is. You know, I complain sometimes complain about my MacBook Pro here, the fans go off or whatever it's doing, it, it's slowed down. But if we if we head in, over into this old computer challenge, we've got a couple rules here with this. One CPU maximum, 512 megs of memory. USB dongles are allowed for storage, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, um, only for your personal computer. So this, you know, obviously I wouldn't be able to do any work on something like this. Um, relying on services hosted remotely is allowed. VNC file sharing. Okay. Using a smartphone to replace your computer may work. Please share your habits. If absolutely need a regular computer for something, please use it. So using it for a week. And this person documented their setup and they're using an old iBook G4 laptop for that. PowerPC G4, 1.3 gigahertz, 512 of RAM and a 40 gigabyte hard disk drive. So I'm sure that was spinning disk. Uh, running OpenBSD 6.9. So if you're listening right now um, on the live stream, we'd love to hear what computer you would revive for your old computer setup. Um, We'll turn it over to the guest first. John, what would you revive for your old computer challenge? 
Oh, so mine, unfortunately, will be a Windows device. I didn't switch to Mac until the last five years. Does anybody remember the the the, the gateway machines? With, yeah, with, that actually came up yeah. uh, amongst uh, a few of us. We were talking about gateways. Yeah, I would I would do a gateway, but it was the ME edition. It was actually a single thing oh, wow. with the monitor on top. It was cool. Let me tell you what, expensive. I would revive that to see <laughs> if it would work. And uh, so the modem was built in, but I had to build. I had to do an external modem. I think I would revive that, but I would probably fold within a day. I would, it, it would definitely kill me for just the speed of things. Yeah, it would be tough for uh, web browsers, I think. Like getting, um, you'd have to get up to a certain web browser to get up to, um, you know, the newer TLS versions. So that would be interesting. Um, Jason, how about you? Well, I have an old dinosaur. It's, I said on the pre-show it was an HP. I lied. It was a Lenovo S10 mini book. Mm. And and it's, it it you know, I, I powered it up when we were, packing up the house to move over to our rental and, and it still runs. It does not run fast and it oh, does nice. not run well, but it runs. But if, if I were to choose, I'd probably go back to my spark five pizza box, uh, so run in Solaris and, and I, I, I could get by for a week. <laughs> I could get by for a week. Cause I just stay alive for everything. I just go for, and, uh, and pull, pull pages with W get and read it in text. And, uh, so I, I could manage it for a week. If it was like one of those things, could you go to a cabin for a month with no internet and, uh, and pay and, and get a million dollars? Like, yes. I mean, <laughs> um, same kind of deal. I, I, I could survive for if a week. If you had a million dollars on I, that, I, I would it. too. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I could, I could hold out for that. Um, I would say for mine. So I'm trying to think of what I actually have here. And I think I actually just, uh, recycled this laptop about uh, last year, I'd have to check in the crawl space, but I had this old compact laptop Ooh. and it was, it was really nice. Actually. I can't remember what the actual model was called, but it's a compact is probably early two thousands machine. And they were really nicely built solid machines. Like the casing was really nice on those ones. And it was one of the, um, not quite the business version, but the um, it was a it was a higher end version. I can't recall though, but I do remember I had to have like a PCMCIA um, external modem uh, for it or Ethernet card uh, for that one. And I think the wireless on um, that one, if I wanted to add wireless, it actually had a little bit of a, a module on top that you would unscrew, and it was just like an empty um, cover. And then you would buy a module that would be a plate that would go over top of that. And then the wireless module was in there. And then you would put that back onto the plate and screw it back in. Um, that thing was a gem. And I remember the touchpad on that. Like I'm, I'm thinking of my, my MacBook now. Oh, the touchpad yeah. is probably like five inch, four or five inches wide, three inches long. And the touchpad on that thing was like maybe like half of the palm of my or half of my palm. So it would probably take forever to, uh, to move everything across there. Although I had a ThinkPad with, you know, the little nubs on those uh, yeah. ThinkPads. I love those little track nubs. The ones in the no center, didn't them. the compacts have the the little, yeah, I would always bump that when I'm keyboard. typing and all of a sudden my mouse would be over this way and I'd hit, it'd be like, yeah, I, I don't enough. even know where I was typing <laughs> half the time. 
Yeah, I don't have the dexterity and the and the you know muscle memory to avoid hitting that thing all the time. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Alrighty. And just a couple comments here. We've got uh Leaf. He he'd go for a million dollars, he'd go to that cabin for a week and put a computer in a closet. Yep. <laughs> I'm uh I'm with you on that one. And uh Leaf tore those nubs off first thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was a nub guy. I was really into that. I think that needs to be an uncontexted tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will pull that recording, I'm sure. Um, all right. Fantastic. Well, this has been great. Um, again, we've teased the part two, so we'll get that in the calendar uh, at some point here and go over some more cost savings um, uh, controls that you can add to AWS. John, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, yeah appreciate it. Boo, thank you so uh, much for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it. Awesome to have you on. And one more thing, uh, where can folks go to uh, follow you, find you, learn about what you're up to these days? All right. So Twitter, it's at underscore John Meyer. Uh, LinkedIn, at John Meyer. YouTube, at John Meyer. Uh, you can also Google me, John Meyer, and I usually come up on the first few pages. So feel free, do me a favor, reach out, uh, like, subscribe, hit that follow button. I've always got great content being pushed out and I'm looking for some feedback from everybody. Fantastic. So we will make sure all of those links are in wherever you're watching right now. We'll throw them into the show descriptions and it's going to be, it's already in the show thread as well as far as how to get a hold of John. So Perfect. thank you very much, John, for joining us today. All right. Thank you for having me. Great. Alrighty. Um, that was great stuff, Jason. Um, beyond that, this Thursday, people can join you. Uh, did you have a time? I can't remember. Yep. 11 a.m. Pacific is when we'll kick things off. Fantastic. So everybody uh, hit up uh, hit up that on Thursday. Those are always super fun uh, to check out and join. Um, otherwise, folks, just let you all know, um, if you haven't been following us already, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, make sure you hit, us hit a follow or a, uh, subscribe on there. And audio podcast to Apple, Google, and Spotify. Otherwise, thank you everybody for joining us this week. And we will see you all uh, next week, same time. Bye, folks.